It's my honor this morning to welcome uh, Pastor Gary House as he brings a word to you that is going to be refreshing, encouraging, and challenging. Would you please give it up for our friend, Pastor Gary House? Thank you very much. Thank you. Pastor Tim, that couldn't have been a better intro to my message. So thank you. So I'll eliminate my intro and we'll go on from there. No. <laughs> but the quote from uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was so apropos to uh, where I want us to go this morning. Because I want to talk about two thoughts. One is about being distracted. The other is about being directed. Distracted, directed. And perhaps the best example for us to consider is a man named Jesus because he seems to reflect to us a lot of the things that we walk through in the things he walked through and he experienced in his own life. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 14 to 16. Here's what it says. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us look firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we, have, when we are in need most. I want to take a moment, if you will, allow me to do so, and I don't know a better way to say it than to humanize Jesus for a moment. If that's too sacrilegious, you know, send me an email and correct me, okay, later, and I'll don't do it right now because I'm speaking. But uh, I, I want us to kind of realize that if the truth of this verse is right, then we need to look at how was Jesus tested? How was he really tested? So, you know, some of the things that came to my mind, and forgive me that they're seemingly random, but Jesus ate. He slept. Uh, more than likely, he had to use the bathroom. You know, sorry to embarrass anybody on that one. You know, uh, I could hear my grandkids say, did he have to burp? You know, ah, could be, could be. He was put down, though, by people. He was cussed at. He's lied to and about. He was also falsely accused of things he didn't do. Not to mention all the things that surround the, the time around the cross and the things that were going on there. And all Jesus very much went through stuff like you and me. And as we consider that, it's an interesting thing that if he did, the scripture said here that he understands so when I come to him in prayer and say, God, my life is falling apart in this way, he understands. When I feel the points of fear or anger or depression, he understands. He relates with those things even in our own lives of those points that bring across, are brought across to us as to our emotional, physical, mental responses at times to different things within our lives. But do you realize and think about with me, he also laughed. He attended parties. 
Now, I don't know that he was a party animal or anything like that, but that isn't clear in Scripture. But he also enjoyed the many things that we're very familiar with, most of us, of his healings and miracles and his teachings and things like that, that he also uh, saw the Lord graciously touch and minister to uh, people. Jesus experienced the full orb of life and what it had to do with how life come across to him and into his life. And so when the scripture again says here that we can go to Jesus because he understands, Jesus understands. He understands what you're going through right now in your life. Whatever that might consist of, whatever depth that that is, whatever amount that might be, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, and all, Jesus understands what you're going through. It's an interesting thing that in this portion of Scripture, this word in here used, testings, translated in, in the uh, uh, New Living Translation, that it actually means this. It means testing the loyalty, strength, opinions, disposition, condition, faith, patience, or character. That's a lot of stuff. And, I'll, and, and don't worry, you don't have to memorize all of those words. Point is that when God, it talks about Jesus being tested, he was tested in all points. And when we come along and we look at our lives and say, yeah, but does he understand what I'm going through? Yes, he understands what you're going through. And even though you may say back to me, say, Gary, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know what it is. You don't know how intense this is, how horrible it is, how negative it is, or how immense it is in my life. No, you're right, I don't. But Jesus does. And because of that, we're invited to come to his throne room and ask for help in time of need. Well, Obviously, we've been facing a lot of stuff in the last year. I'd like to recap a few things in just a moment. But I, I, I have a, a one of my favorite uh, movies. And uh, the movie is called Up. You may or may not have seen it. And uh, if you haven't, you can go check it out after the service, not during the service. But there's a little clip they're going to play for you right now that I'd like you to consider. And let me just kind of set it up for you. And uh, it's uh, the two main characters, they're meeting this dog. This dog is named Doug. And uh, I want you to know what happens to Doug. Take a, take a look. Hey. <laughs> you were talking to a rock. Hey, that one looks like a turtle. Look at that one. That one looks like a dog. Oh, it is a dog. What? Uh, we're not allowed to have dogs in my apartment. Hey, I like dogs. We have your dog. Whoa. Wonder who he belongs to. Sit, boy. Hey, look, he's trained. Shake. Uh-huh. Speak. Hi there. <gasps> Did that dog just say hi there? Oh, yes. My name is Doug. I have just met you, and I love you. My master made me this collar. He is a good and smart master, and he made me this collar so that I may talk. Squirrel! Squirrel. 
<laughs> Ever been in those times where you're doing something, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you, you almost make it about face or a side face in that regard? I ran across this uh, example uh, of one lady in her day and what she faced with it. She said, I needed to do the laundry, but then I realized I was out of detergent. So I went to write a shopping list and realized how um, unorganized the junk drawer was, and I started checking pens for ink. When I went to toss all the junk, I saw that the trash was full, but before I took it out, I wanted to uh, take out to get rid of all the, the food in the fridge. That's when I realized a juice jug had leaked, so I needed to clean it up. But when I went to grab a rag, I saw that the pantry closet was a nightmare, so I started organizing it. And that's how I ended up on the floor looking at my old photo albums from the 1990s and not doing laundry. No. Ever had those occasions where you're just like, I set out to do this, and then, oh, oh, there's this, there's that. Those kind of things. If I was to describe this last year, that's how I would describe it. Some of the things we've had to walk through or deal with in this last year. Let me just recap. Obviously, won't take time to look at everything. But one of the new things we discovered was this word, COVID. And uh, with it came the opportunity to wear masks and social distance and uh, wash our hands. What a novel idea, wash hands, isn't it? Anyway, stay home. Some of the other things we've got to experience in this time was the wonderful opportunity in the shows that we watched on TV to watch these little things called election advertisements. Anybody happen to remember those? Oh, no, you are purposely forgot them, didn't you? We had closed churches. There was many prophetic words about the future, about the church, what's going to happen, how things are going to work out that we've heard along the way. There's businesses that were closed down or restricted in being able to, to the extent that they could be open. And who will forget about the shortage of toilet paper, right, yeah, paper towels and sanitizer, disinfectants, and so forth. Who would have known, you know, that could have happened? And then we came to primary elections as well, and that whole time of walking through that, times of rioting, social injustices that we saw and had to debate and understand what's going on, why is it going on, do I agree, do I disagree, do I support, do I not support? A lot of things to begin to move around, let alone the things like jobs, people losing their job. What, do I have enough money? Will I be able to make it? Can I make it through what's going on right now? The things of threats that people received in a variety of different ways. The constant COVID updates. You know, I'm so looking forward to the day that I turn on the nose, the news, excuse me, the nose, yeah. And you begin to not hear a COVID update. Can I get an amen out of that or something like that? Okay. <laughs> Again, there's another thing that we had going on after the primaries and all. We got to enjoy some more election advertisements and all. And all. Isn't that wonderful when you have that DVR and you can fast forward through, through many of those things? We had all sorts of conspiracy theories. 
that just began to move us in a lot of different directions of things happening around us. And we also got to watch many reruns. Yay! Oh, I saw that one before. Yes, okay, that's the only thing that's on TV because nothing's being newly broadcast and developed. And then we finally hit the election with a storm. And it was hard for all of us to walk through and deal with. Afterwards, we heard about election fraud, accusations going back and forth, who's right, who's wrong, how do you determine, who do you believe, so forth, we had to deal with. And then we hit 2021 and more uncertainties about what the future is. All that time, many of us, most of us perhaps, were also going through a lot of personal things that we had to deal with in our lives. Things like the loss of family members. And we couldn't go be there at the funeral. I can relate with that. I've lost two family members in this period of time. Families who've been in the hospital and you can't go see them. Can't sit beside them. Can't hold their hand. Can't pray over them. Can't a lot of things to take and relate with that on a personal level. Family gatherings were discouraged. You know, it's been a while since seeing our, our grandkids. Uh, we have 15 of them, and the ones we could see that are not in a variety of states and so forth, it's been very difficult to be able to have that opportunity. And then the whole idea that you should not be with friends and family in case you either might spread COVID or contract COVID. Puts you in a real bind What do you do? How do you process through all of that? One other thing that I don't know that I've really heard people talk about, but something I, I felt coming into my heart is being concerned when you begin to feel you have a sore throat or you have a cough or you have a fever. And the fear that comes in almost immediately to say, do I have COVID? And that sense of those kind of things going on in our lives constantly and moving around and swirling, as it were, both inside of us and externally around us, it begins to make a a premise and and a posturing that we come to and we say, God, what do I believe? I know you're God, but look at all the stuff that's going on around me. What do I do with this? Well, let me suggest to you that God never called us to live a distracted life. I'm not saying we don't get distracted. We do. I'm just saying that he doesn't want us to stay there where we're constantly pulled this way, that way. But how do you maintain a focus? Well, I'm glad you asked that because I want to give you five ways to do that today and the rest of our time together. Because I believe the only way we're really going to do that is being, by, being directed by the Word of God. Distractions will not leave us. They will not be something we never have again. We will have them through the rest of our lives. But we make a choice to come back and say, I will be guided and directed by the Word of God and what God has to say. Now, I could give you 20 things, but you wouldn't remember any of them, so I'm going to give you five and all, and maybe you'll remember them as well. 
But I wanted to, to pose a few uh, scriptures to you, share with you those five scriptures and a question with each one. The first one comes out of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And the question is, who do you trust in your life? Who do you trust? The scripture said, the writer, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Simple, straightforward. But notice the things that we need to do is trust in God. And the second part is the part I struggle with. And that's the fact of I want to figure it out. What's the answer? How do I make this work? How do I put this together? What's the one, two, threes I need to do? But the scripture says you don't have to because God's already done that. And my understanding is so limited that it just, I can't do it big enough, wide enough, firm enough, deep enough to be able to make it happen for my life because I don't understand that much. Now, I don't know if you, any of you that are uh, getting older and, and you could evaluate that word yourself, whether you are or not. But as I get older, one of the things I begin to realize, I begin to realize how much I don't know. And when this verse comes to me, I begin to look at it and say, don't depend on your understanding. I get it because I realize there's so much I don't know, so much I don't understand. And while I would like to learn, I want to grow and I want to do so, and that is a, a goal of mine. But as the scripture says, trust God because he does know. And then it says, seek his will in all that you do. Go after what God's purpose and plan is for you, not my own. And here's what will happen. God will show you which path to take. A lot of people over the years have asked me the question, said, Gary, how do I know the will of God in my life? And my short answer has been this, although it's gotten elaborated at times as we've talked, but my short answer is this. Follow the peace of God. Where's the peace of God leading you, guiding you, directing you? Where are you finding where the peace of God is? And walk in that pathway and keep there and stay there. Which brings us to the second scripture from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 that we just studied more recently. And, all, and this question is, do you guard the peace or your peace in your life? Do you guard it? Scripture says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Now, let me stop there. Four things to do. One is, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, right, God. Okay. Sure, Paul. Yeah. Well, kind of remember the fact of where Paul is at this point in time. He's sitting in jail. Okay. It's not a lovely period of time for him. It's not like, hey, man, I've got access to everything and God's blessed me and everything's in abundance and I'm prospering. and all. He'd been through those times. He'd had that and experienced the grace of God in that way. But at this point in time, as he's writing these words, he's not in that position. But he says, don't worry about anything. If there was somebody to worry about stuff, Paul had it. 
He didn't know if in the next moment some guard is going to come walking in and says, okay, get up and take him on away and his life would be ended, literally. That was the, the crux of what he was underneath at the moment. There were things to worry about besides the fact as he writes elsewhere to the Corinthians and others, says, man, I worry about you guys. I'm concerned. You're heavy on my heart. I'm praying for you. There are things Paul could worry over. But he says, don't do that. Instead, pray about everything. Let me offer us a challenge to consider. How many things in our life do we pray over? And then secondly, let me ask this question. Do we pray over them before we start worrying or after we start worrying? That's not minutes condemnation or guilt. I'm not trying to heap anything on anybody. I'm asking a question. In our lives, where do we stand in that? Do, where do we go to God and how do we begin to pray? He goes on and he says as well, tell God what you need. What is it you really need in your life? I don't know about you. I've had those seasons of time in my life where I've literally had to take a pen and paper and write down what is it I really need God to do right now in my life and specify it and put it down so I could look at it and be able to say, God, here's what I need. Because I don't know about you, but there's times where I don't know what I need. You know, my, thinking about my wife at times, she will come along and she'll say, you know, what, what are you hungry for today? I don't know. What are the options? <laughs> you know, it's almost we do a little bit of that with God. But God's saying, here, bring me your needs and present them before me. And then he says, keep a thankful heart. I turned, or not turned, but I, I was speaking with someone this week, um, doesn't go to the church here, but um, he was sharing with me some of the challenges within his life. And in the course of the conversation, I finally came back to him and I said, well, I said, I could likely give you about 10 things to do, but I want to give you two. And one of those was, I said, I want you to develop a thankful heart. I want you to begin to look at your life and say, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for this. Listen, friends, we'll always have things to complain about. We really will in this life. But what brings us to a point of recognizing God's presence into our situation is beginning to lift a word of thankfulness to the Lord and say, but God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad you gave me that. God, thank you for providing that. Because every one of us have things in our lives that we can be thankful for and beginning to bring that in. And he says that that is when you've done those three, four things. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts. That seed of my emotions, my feelings, those sense of foreboding or joy. He says, he will guard your heart and minds, that place of thoughts and reasonings. And where does my mind go every which way at all? It will come and guard that. 
And the idea of guarding here, as you might assume, is just like having a literal military person beside you. And he says, I'm here to protect your life. And the idea of peace is to come along and protect me from the excesses and the wonderments and the, the, the points of dismay that I could walk into and fear and instead bringing me peace so I stay in a position that I hear from God. That's what God wants for you and me. His peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So how do you get to know about all those things? Well, number three helps us understand from Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 and 9. 7 to 9. Do we meditate on the word of God? The scripture reads this way. Be strong and very courageous to, to Joshua here. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. That's what we're talking about, distractions. We begin to, oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. You know, we begin to kind of go back and forth. And that begins to make, have a bearing upon us physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. But God speaks to Joshua and says, listen, get in my word. And by being in my word and obey those instructions of Moses and all, then you won't be as easily turned to the right or to the left. In other words, being diverted from what you should be doing and beginning to focus in on what the Lord has. Going on in the verse, it says, Then you will be successful in everything you do. Surely this book of instruction continually, excuse me, uh, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. So there's a meditating. We'll look at that in a moment. But there's also the idea of obedience. And living that out and walking in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow. By being in the word of God, by letting the word of God get in me. I like a quote from a gentleman that uh, likely none of you would, would be aware of, but he's a part of our, our Foursquare family years ago. And he made a comment of this. He says, if you'll take the word of God and hide it in your heart when you don't need it, you'll have it there when you do. And I thought, whoa, that's good. I better remember, memorize that one and remember that because I need it. And he went on to share the power of the word of God within our lives and to store that in. So if you're reading through the Bible or you're in some reading plan that you're in right now and you may be reading a portion of scripture, say, what has this got to do with anything? Store it in your heart so it'll be there when you need it. Store it there. It's an interesting thing how the Holy Spirit can bring out from our memories, the things that we need to be reminded of and say, Gary, do you remember this? Remember I said this. And that's what he's speaking to Joshua. Why? Because God knew what was ahead of Joshua. He'd have to go against cities and areas. He'd have to go against people that totally outrightly disobeyed the word of the Lord. And how do you handle that? He needed to have 
God's word within him to enable him to succeed. But notice the last part of this. Part of what the word of God will do for us, it will enable us not to be afraid or discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I would likely guess that most of us say, if we could erase 2020, (laughs) we'd like to, and all that went with it, so forth, it would be nice to erase it. But let me pose the thought to you, likely not a new thought to you. But didn't God know what 2020 would be for us? Didn't he realize what we would have to face and deal with, be frustrated by, be somewhat encouraged at times by? Didn't God know all that? Well, if it's true that he did, then his desire is for you and me is that we don't have to be afraid or discouraged for the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. Even into 2021. God knows how to get us through because he's already there. He's already there. Praise the Lord. The word meditate, let me just throw that back at you for a moment. That has to do in the, in the Hebrew. It's an active recitation, a re-speaking of God's word. Somebody has used, translated, I think it's in some translations, it's used the word rather than meditate, uses the word mutter. You know, muttering is what you and I do when we're walking around and we're saying something to ourselves. And uh, like my wife will say, what did you say? Oh, I was just talking to myself. Well, that's, that's the kind of thin, sense of what he's talking about here. Letting the word of God be repeated and spoken and spoken and spoken so that it becomes so real and true in us. Can I go so far as to say, put it up wherever you're at. Put it in your, in your car or something as a verse of scripture there. Put it in your, your work. Put it on your, your uh, page of your, your computer where it uh, comes into the, uh, the movement into your computer and let a verse of scripture be there. Wherever you can put God's word, put it. You know, in, in, in the early days in, De- in Deuteronomy, they would take it and put it as frontlets upon their eyes. In other words, it was in front of them all the time of the word of God. Take the word of God and let it be there constantly. But more than that, uh, Habakkuk comes along and he shares this in chapter 3 and verse 17 to 19. Now, if you read Habakkuk, it's a whole three chapters, so it won't take you real long. But chapter 1 and chapter 2 and up to this moment in time is pretty dismal, (laughs) to be honest with you. Uh, I don't mean don't read it. I'm just simply saying it was a very difficult portion of Scripture because it's talking about Israel not doing the right things and now what's going to happen. And then Habakkuk comes along. He's a prophet and he says, talking about, and the question is, are you worshiping or rejoicing in spite of? Here's what he says. Though the fig tree does not blossom and there's no fruit on the vines, Though the yield of the olive fails and the fields produce no food, though the flock is cut off from the foal and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will choose to 
shout in exaltation in the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like hinds feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. <clears throat> There's a couple months ago that I was reading this portion of scripture and I just decided to rewrite it a little bit in more modern setting in what we've been facing and it came out like this. Even when a virus seeks to shut us down, social outrage ravages communities and hearts of people seeking to tear relationships apart. Political rivalry leaves us wondering who and what to believe. Fires that spring up without logic, destroying property and precious lives. Smoke that fills lungs with damaging toxins. An economy that is up and down on a seemingly hourly rate. The removal of opportunity gathered together, trying to teach children at home and the daily things that just happen as we live life. Yet, in spite of, regardless, I will choose to continue to believe God is God. He has not changed. He is in control. He has a plan of how to live life now. He is giving me the strength to deal with all of the above each day. He is my solid rock to steady me when I do not feel able to stand. Therefore, I will sing, rejoice, declare, and decree. My God will get me through because that is who he is and that is what he does. Amen? Wow. Not because I wrote that, but it just, you know, for me, maybe it doesn't help you at all. I just like reading it because it encourages my heart. Again, get your focus where it needs to be, Gary. There's too many things to distract you. It's not ignoring the distractions. It's not saying that they're unreal or they're not there. They are. But whether I pursue them as my goal or not, that's my choice. My choice needs to be, God, it is focused back with you. Worship is one of those things that enables us to do that. Thank you, Keelan, for your leadership this morning and the rest of the team for just leading us into God's presence and to come in with him and to be there and to come to that point of, I surrender all, man. I don't know how many times when I talk with people and counsel with them that I, I, I'll share that with them and said, you know, what you need to do is do what Jesus did. He surrendered all to the Father and said, not my will, but your will be done. Sounds so simple. And it is in one respect, it's difficult in the other because that means I'm releasing the control of whatever it is I'm dealing with at the moment. But I'll tell you, it's very valuable and very helpful for you to be able to do that. Worship is important that we do. Let me encourage you, worship the Lord. My dad was a, a worshiper of the Lord. I mean, he would go through the house singing and so forth and, and uh, wherever he's at. And all. <clears throat> the interesting thing for him is it didn't matter what the song was and all. He had one key that he sang it in, and that was B-flat. And, uh, you know, we'd all kind of, oh, yeah, there's Dad. He's going. But the interesting thing was Dad sung with all of his heart. And it made an impression on me. As a young guy growing up, listening to my dad, walking around through the house, other places, of just lifting up his voice and declaring the praises of God. Last but not least, Samuel Johnson, he's an 18th century writer, he said this, 
People need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. Let me say that again. People need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. That's what I hope I'm doing this morning with us. I'm not telling you anything new, but I'm wanting to bring reminders to us to keep us focused in a direction we need to go in. This week, as I was preparing this, the Lord really spoke to me about these verses I'm going to read to you because they have something unique to say in them that I believe every one of us, every one of us need to hear once again. And that is, God loves you. God really loves you. Romans chapter 8, verse 35 and 37 to 39. And the question is, what may be separating you from experiencing God's love? What might be separating you? People sometimes, they come to me and say, well, I just don't think God loves me. Okay? So then we begin exploring why. Here's what the Paul said. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Now notice all those things Paul had, had faced. He's not talking ethereally. He's talking about practically and what he'd had to face in his own life. He says, I've had to go through this stuff. He said, but does that separate us from God? And his answer is no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And he goes on and says, and I am convinced by the word, by the way, the word convinced means that you're convinced. I don't mean to be funny with that, but I want you to catch that. I've come to a place I solidly know this is what I believe. And that's what he's saying here. He says, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angel nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me suggest to you, that would likely be a set of verses that most of us ought to be reading almost every day. And maybe for some of us, we need to do it about every hour. And for a few of us, maybe every minute. You know, but the scripture is plain. It says, God loves you, and he's not changing his mind. And do you realize God has an option? God has an option he could, but he's made the choice and decision he will not. He's chosen to love you and me. Warts and all, you know, we may have in our lives. Things that he knows about us better than anybody else knows. And yet God comes along and says, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Amazing. That God would be that kind of person with you and me. But I find, in my life at least, that I don't always receive that love and accept it, that it's true for me. And I'll question it. Do you really love me, God? Do you really care about me? Do you really understand? 
He does. Let me submit to you something before we pray. I want to offer two thoughts to you here. You may be in either one of these positions of your life right now. But you might pray something like this. God, I choose today to accept the fact that you love me and want to be a part of my life today and always. I want you to live in me and show me how to live a life knowing you are with me and nothing can remove your love from me. Be my Savior and Lord. I want to learn and grow in understanding who you really are. I need you, God, in my life. I receive your love shown through Jesus. You may be here today, and that's where you're at. And you need to open up your heart to say, Gary, I, I hear all the stuff you're talking about. It's cool. It's good, you know. But I don't, how do I get there? How do I experience that? How do I understand that? You simply say, God, I open up my heart to you. And I want to invite you to be my Savior, my Lord, my life. Simple words to speak, but profound significance for you. It'll change your life, literally. You may also be here, and you might pray something like this. You may need to pray something along this line to God. God, I realize today that I have allowed things to get in the way of knowing you love me. I have questioned if you really love me or not due to the circumstances in my life right now. Today I declare I choose to believe what your word says. You love me and nothing is going to take that away from me. Therefore, I affirm you love me. Let's pray. Father, we bow before you humbly. Lord, we don't deserve your love. Lord, we don't deserve the many things that you do on our behalf day in and day out. Standing beside us and with us and for us the way you provide for us, Lord, the way you're there for us, the way you stand guard against the works of hell that would seek to come against our lives, the constant vigilance that you have over each one of our lives. God, it's so humbling that, Lord, we come today, and God, whether our hearts are simply saying to you, God, I need you as my Savior, my Lord. I, I need a God in my life that I can trust and believe in and that believes in me. And Lord, for some of us, that may be our response that we're making right now. We also may be saying for others of us that, God, I just need to reaffirm, I choose to believe you love me. I choose to believe you're with me. I choose to believe that you're standing beside me. You're going to get me through the things that I'm facing right now, even though I understand. God, I choose to believe that you will pour your peace over me and your grace will always be sufficient for me. Lord, I choose to believe those things. And therefore, God, I just affirm wherever, whatever I've allowed to get in the way of receiving or believing in those things, I want to break in the name of Jesus right now. 
and say no to them and say, Lord, I receive your love. I receive it with all its fullest meaning into my life. Lord, I speak blessing over your people today. That God, we choose to be a people that live by your word, walk in your peace. Lord, we come and we be a people that, Lord, accept the fact that you love us and nothing can change that. And that, God, you're going to be beside us and with us and you're going to see us through the things that we're facing and dealing with because that's who you are and that's what you do. And you don't change your mind. So, Lord, we receive your love this day and all that you are in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. You say amen to that. So what do we do? What do we walk away with? We walk away with people being directed by God's word to seek after God by doing these five things. Trusting in God, guarding the peace, meditating on God's word, worshiping, rejoicing, singing, and recognizing God loves me and nothing is going to change that truth. I would like to speak this blessing over you. And if you would, let me ask you to do a very simple little thing. As a point of receiving that word, would you just take your hands in front of you and just place them there? Just a point of saying, Lord, I receive this for me. I receive this for me. And let me speak these words from Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abound in hope and overflow with confidence in his promises. Church, God loves you. Thank you for joining with us today, whether here at uh, Santa Maria Four Square or online with us. Thank you for being a part of this time. And may God's grace accompany you throughout this week. And all have a wonderful week. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week. God bless you.